Welcome to Behave, the behavioural science podcast where we discuss, explore and aim to showcase the practical benefits of layering behavioural insights to deliver more effective marketing results and business growth. Hosted by Pedro Martins, a director at Total Media, the behavioural planning agency. Remember to rate us on wherever you listen to podcasts and for any questions, feedback or requests for future topics, please email us at podcast at behave.co.uk. For more information on anything discussed in the episode and useful downloads, please visit behave.co.uk forward slash podcast. Welcome to Behave, the podcast that aims to showcase practical business benefits through the application of behavioural science to your marketing. So today I'm joined by David Corrado, international strategist at Behave, which is part of the Total Media Group, and who over his time has worked on brands such as Unilever, Bayer, Estee Lauder, Nissan, Cisco, Procter & Gamble and Diageo, just to mention a few. But my favourite is that he delivers the happiness for DH. Welcome, David. Hi, thanks. Good morning, Pedro. Yeah, delivering happiness, that was that was actually quite a fun fun gig. And it, I think it, it it warms its way into what I do now uh, pretty much every day. But the bottom line was it was a corporate culture consultancy. And its fundamental mission was how do you make people kind of enjoy their workspace and, and better and so, yeah, uh, I think I try to bring that a lot. And funnily enough, there's a huge overlap with like behavioral science in there, uh, which I didn't realize at the time. But years later, it was like, oh, duh. <laughs> so it feels like you've been living and breathing behavioral science for a long, long time. So I think, I mean, I, I know you know this, but we all know how important it is to understand human behavior and what drives it. Um, but for our listeners today, would you mind just introing what you're going to be covering off? Uh, yeah, sure. So. Um... There was kind of two things that I wanted to talk about today, or well, the first relates to the con- to the, why I chose the content, and then the second is the kind of content itself. So, the first thing I was thinking about was I think a challenge with a lot of the behavioral insight stuff is that sometimes it feels a bit generic or bland and not as powerful as it actually really is, and that's because it's so highly context dependent. Um, so, what I tried to do with the the with what I wanted to take you through today is um, kind of a bit reflect a bit on that and bring uh, a series of what could be accused as uh, accused of as kind of oversimplified or generic or bland insights and kind of try and talk through that and how I think about that. Um, and so you can see how they actually have like really, really strong impact when you properly understand what could be a simply simple insight. Um, and so in terms of the content I'd like to, to talk to talk about today, um, first, I wanted to talk about kind of how people have reacted to the crisis or the uncertainty or however you want to categorize these times. And the very kind of simple insight there is that when there's uncertainty or when there's kind of chaos or whatever, uh, people crave control. Um, and there's several models you could talk about around that, but um, I'll, t- I'll be going into that. And that's kind of a very obvious thing. But then it's through that obvious thing we can start seeing it manifest through a whole host of behaviors and, and, and the way people kind of uh, ways you can see people have acted and ways you can kind of guess people are going to act in the future. Um, and then when I was starting to think about control, I thought, okay, what's another simple thing I could talk about? And um, if right now we're all kind of looking in to a greater or lesser extent for control, I thought, okay, let, then it might be interesting to talk a little bit about habit forming. And again, I, I, I won't go into super depth, but I'll boil it down to kind of one very, um, again, obvious uh, insight, perhaps, which is in order to form habits effectively, 
it's got to be easy. And that builds a lot on, on work from uh, BJ Foggs, who, Fogg, who is the director of uh, the Stanford Behavioral Institute. Um, and then kind of finally, maybe this is going to tie in between those two points and wrap up a little bit at the end. Um, I just wanted to talk a bit uh, looking at my own life on a personal level, because I, I mean, I'm a strategist for the, for, for the agency and, and, and I do behavioral science for a living, but you know, this is all, these are all, these are human insights and they work best when you apply them to your own life as well. And, um, uh, it's a bit cheesy, but I kind of take my life as a kind of living experiment. I, I, I'm lucky that my job lets me read a lot about these things. And so then, um, uh, I get the unique opportunity to read about stuff and then kind of say, huh, what if I test it out on myself? And so that's kind of, I think, what I'd like to talk about today, if that seems interesting. That sounds perfect. And I'm quite interested to, to hear about you being a guinea pig for all the research that you've read. <laughs> um, so let's kick off. I mean, um, especially to our reaction in these uh, uncertain times. I mean, I understand that this period has caused a lot of anxiety. And according to a survey by the, the ONS, over 25 million people in the UK over the age of 16 are highly anxious which is double the number recorded last year. And anxiety, as much as I understand it, is fundamentally driven by lack of control. So um, how are we taking back control? Well, um, I think there's some obvious behaviors, right? Um, if I live beside a and q or a relatively near one, and through from, from the beginning, I mean, they, I think they closed for a couple of days. But once they allowed B&Q to open, I've seen a line out beside the B&Q every day. And if you look at Google search data, you'll see there's so much stuff about how do I fix, how do I, and things around home improvement or like kind of DIY projects. Um, so that's kind of probably one of very obvious area. You see people taking control around their physical environment or, um, and, and just trying to fix things around their house. You know, there's, there's a host of other motivations there as well. You know, you're sitting at home, that step that you never fix because you weren't at home. Now it really bugs you. So you're, you're obviously much more motivated, but that still translates Again, into once you've been able to fix whatever the thing is, it gives you that sense of, okay, look, I'm able to, even though there's all these things that it's a mess out there and there's so many things I'm not sure about and I feel all this uncertainty and things like that, at least there's this small kind of locus of control that I can focus on. I can say, oh, on this thing physically, I can do, I can have an impact, I can have an effect. And it's that like kind of fundamental search for that feeling that you'll see again, again. So being Q, um, the whole thing about people doing more and more exercise, I mean, yeah, exercise, physical exercise is super important and we know that it's a theme. But again, that's another way in which you're able to show, see, see that like, okay, look, I can, I can kind of disconnect a bit from everything that's around me and I'm able to, um, yeah, like do, do something of my own volition, I think is um, a really big thing there under control. And Another way that you can start to play around with this idea of control and it starts to um, like, I mean, from either from media planning or, or just thinking about your own business, what you can think about is the way we, we approach control also affects kind of what we're going to be really um, concerned with in terms of ourselves and what we expect others to do. And I think that might be a bit confusing. But what I mean by that is if you look, the way we looked at, for control at the beginning of this whole pandemic, very much focused broadly around immediate beha immediate behaviors to us in our, our immediate environment. So it was being you and things in your house and things that it was you and the people that were kind of immediately around. And as things go on, you can see how in public discourse and news and things like that, there's a shift for we're trying to, 
we're trying to extend the things we control and control people in our neighborhood or in the country. And, and that's how we're trying to kind of counteract all this uncertainty, right? So you can start predicting how people um, will behave by just looking at that kind of very simple insight around control. Um, it's, it's interesting, actually, because I think um, in, that, in that sense, then we've seen that a lot of the shops are, are pretty busy, the bars are pretty busy. Restaurants are pretty busy. I think that probably plays into your theory and what you're talking about in terms of control. So they're controlling their circumstances and doing things that they, they would have done normally, like go to shops and buy things they want to buy. And I know in periods periods like this, things such as luxury items tend to be bought more and, and it accounts for splurging because it's sort of mood repair, I guess. But typically, my understanding is that these things are short-lived anyway and they're not going to carry on because you can't carry on splurging. So at some point, they'll have to change yeah um actually i think that's a great moment to probably get into the next point i was want to talk about which is around habits so yeah so say like a lot of these kind of things around control let's call them uh, those splurges or whatever yeah those are immediate and probably not long-term sustainable but a lot of the ways that we've been talking about like people trying to figure out ways to control their lives so we, we mentioned kind of uh being q and, and, and home renovating and also exercise but um, I forgot to mention earlier, you know, I talked to any collection of colleagues and there's probably at least someone who's taken up some sort of hobby or new activity, right? <laughs> and and that's in there too. And so that's kind of where that bridge starts to come between areas where we'd like to feel in control. So we start doing something and then that naturally forms us to say, well, I'd like to make a habit out of this. Whether we're kind of consciously saying, I want to build a habit or more often than not, it's just like, hey, I like this and probably want to try and find ways of keeping to do this. So the moment where those kind of new little forays into control turn into habits, well, it's not a moment or the method, sorry, um, I think is that's a really important one. And there's, there, there's one thing that I really liked from, um, from, from BJ Fogg, um, who's as a bit of a background, um, I won't go into too much detail because I th- it's it's I won't get it's not an academic podcast, but he's he's a really important uh, behavioral um, practitioner. He's one of the leading areas in his field, and he talks a huge amount uh, around how do you form habits, and he's written a great book about it. But the central crux of his of his kind of thesis say, is we form habits when it's easy to to form them, which on <laughs> face value is probably um, again not. An entirely like oh wow insight, um, but what he means by that is you can design how you how you make your hobbies a more permanent thing, or how how you, by thinking about exactly what elements are difficult about forming a habit. And so if you look at um, I don't know I think one of the examples he gives is um, exercise, and it's, some of the really obvious there's it's really obvious if i say this but you probably wouldn't have thought about it yourself is if i tell you how do you make 10 push-ups really easy um the answer is do one (laughs) and it's a lot easier to convince yourself to do one push-up than 10 and that's a thing that i think is going to be essential for all of us kind of going forward and as we're trying to develop our habits is to keep that in mind that we need to find that easy route in and then build on those. And that is what over time will translate into kind of more effective habits around exercise or, or, or whatever it is um, that you that you that you want to do. And uh, one of the lines that I really, really liked from his book was we change best by feeling good. And I think there's a really kind of nice thing in there 
in terms and super sorry it's a nice thing and it's super important right now because one of the other things that's happening throughout this whole uncertainty and etc is that you'll notice that i think everyone will notice in their own moods that things become much more impacting like a small little thing that happens you stub your toe in the morning whereas under potentially more normal circumstances where you have a greater sense of control that little event isn't going to derail you significantly whereas if you're in, in if you're already feeling that your your sense of control is challenged a small deviation from what you expected can suddenly put you into a world of uncertainty of anxiety um and then if we're in that moment say if it's if if we're anxious and demotivated it's very difficult that we'll actually stick with the the kind of more positive and healthy habits and i think that's a really great insight from from bj fog which is for anyone who's trying to do something new throughout this it's really is is about making it easy and also i think we have this idea that if we're trying to do something like exercise or 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 a hobby or we also have this kind of idea ingrained in our culture that if something is easy it's not kind of it's not worth it or it's not right and it, or it feels like it's cheating and that's one thing i really wanted to drive when i was, for this podcast was to say to tell to kind of make, if in, in, if anything give people that sense of it's okay if things feel a bit if you do things things and and it's feeling easy for you to develop habits that's not um that's not bad you know <laughs> it's it's actually going to be make make it really really easy for you to to actually get your job done one thing that i was doing over the course of this uh this lockdown was i was doing a lot of data manipulation so but we always want to drink more water it's healthy blah blah and i like all most people i was struggling with it so i said okay right every time i have to load data or wait for it or so essentially any time i saw the little loading screen on my computer i would drink at least essence <laughs> And actually, and it's really working really well. And actually, now I'm not really using doing that work so much anymore. But I've kind of gotten the habit, so now I just naturally get thirsty. So that habit stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And then there's also an element of like designing how you work on projects. And this is less about habit habit in general, but more about kind of how do you make things easy for yourself. And I think that's another area where kind of behavioral insight feels like if you if if you look at things maybe purely rationally. It, it feels like it doesn't make a difference, but in terms of how people are doing stuff, it makes a huge difference. So um, an example of that is we had to create some documents where we had nine audiences that we had to now analyze across something like four countries. Um, and in terms of output, you know, you have nine times four is the number of outputs you have, but we had the option to create the, the outputs divided by country. So we would have four documents with nine audiences each, or we would have the documents by audience. So nine documents with four countries in each. Um, if you look at it purely rationally, the output is the same number of things. But when we found that we had to work on them, we found that the easiest way for us to do it was to do a um, nine audience packs. And the reason for that is because it felt so much easier and so much, and you got that small sense of winning and accomplishment after only putting four countries into one audience file. Um, I don't know if that, if I rambled <laughs> around that one, to make sense, yeah. but, but, it's, but it came down to that. Instead of going to, having to do something nine times in order to feel like, oof, I've won and I finished this, you only had to do it four times. Nice, nice. And the, the flip side is in the, the, in the scenario where you do it by, audi- by audience, you finish after four, you have a win, and you get nine like win moments in your project. 
Whereas the other way around, you have to do a nine and you win and you only get four of them. So even in that, I think it's a great idea for using kind of that inside of making things easy in your everyday. Nice. Nice. I mean, I'm obviously familiar with BJ Fogg's work and I think it speaks beautifully to sort of his formula of behavior equals um, MAP. So obviously the motivation um, to do something and that could be by making it easier the ability that you have to do it, how, how, again, going back to how easy it is. And then the prompt and, you know, your, your example of the water was quite interesting. So every time the loading screen came up, it was a prompt for you to go and get some water. So exactly. it, seems, it, seems to be, it, seems to, it seems to be working. Yeah, I think so. And might lead me to the third kind of area of I, that I wanted to kind of discuss around, yeah, like ideas around ha- habit forming, which I kind of, t- I think the first, or n- not even habit forming, I think one of the key things that people need to focus throughout this is that what everything is changing right now and we are being forced to change so this is you know by by default a period of change in our lives and so we need i think we need to remember throughout it like that idea around changing best by feeling good because there's so many things that are going to make us struggle and anxious and 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 just reinforce that sense of lack of control but if we know that we can find ways of counteracting that and that that way of counteraction doesn't need to be an upward battle it doesn't it doesn't have to feel like you're surmounting an incredible obstacle that's going to be the best way of actually solving it yeah i mean that that, that makes a lot of sense so so have you got any examples of stuff that you've done yeah so i mean uh, i've been in a unique opportunity because um i had a couple of weeks where i was on furlough and then i had to come back to the office um i got to come back to the office rather and (laughs) i um and, and so I had kind of... For, for clarification, when you mean office, you mean remote working. Uh, exactly, yes. Uh, <laughs> not, not physically in the office as of yet. No. Um, and I'll, but I'll get on to that. I'm eager to go back in certain, some ways, and I'll get on to that in a second. But um, so, so, so the first thing was kind of just, yeah, the, that first moment was, you know, absolutely kind of no control because there was no real structure around what I had to do. Um, so... What I what I started doing there, um, I thought, okay, well, because and this is lucky because I know all, a lot of this stuff from work, right? I knew that I, there was, there, I I knew that there was things that were going to challenge me. I knew that because I didn't have any structure or anything, it would be very very quickly um, easy for me to kind of get into a very repetitive and non-constructive uh, activity, like just like watching movies and watching TV or or whatever, because that. Though your body will kind of naturally revert to some sort of habit that is easy and um, that it ends up kind of substituting that for the lack of clarity or control um, because that just makes your life simple. So I knew I had to kind of introduce wrinkles to avoid that. So what I did was I kind of looked through all the subjects that I hadn't looked at in a long time because I've been kind of working working and, and, and focused more around behavioral science. And I started looking at, you know, um, I did a couple uh, a week where I just kind of looked at all, all different areas of science and then different areas of literature and things like that to to break with. I, I wanted to to lean into the uncertainty in a sense because I was like, okay, fine, everything is up for grabs now. Let's go to different directions, which counterintuitively put an order over things so that I kept kind of working um, towards finding things that I hadn't looked at in a while. That was my only goal, really. Um, 
but then when I had to come back to work, you know, it was it, it, when getting to come back and to work from home, it was about finding how do you balance. And so, all right, so on the, on the, on the subject of kind of balancing, how do you work, um, how do you work from home and uh, have your personal life at the same time? I think that's another area kind of where behavioral insight, like really kind of helps you if you have a little bit of knowledge to at the very least experiment. And I view my life, I think I mentioned earlier, as kind of a constant experiment. I, I learned a lot of stuff from work. So um, I read a paper, for example, that was talking about uh, the effectiveness of, or, or rather the, the lack of effectiveness that we have uh, when multitasking, right? So I think that was one of the first pressures that probably most of us felt in working from home was the kind of that need to to split your attention in multiple ways because people can chat with you, chat to you at any time about any subject. And so I felt myself being dragged more and more to multitasking. And there's so much research about like how bad that is, like just absolutely terrible. Anyone who's listening to the podcast and wants to claim that they're a brilliant multitasker, kind of like I'd invite them to, once we've opened the office to come, they can try on the biometrics and we'll show them how that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can vouch for that. I'm, I'm useless at multitasking. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I have very simple bullet point notes for this conversation and I'm still struggling. So, um, so, so I know that that's really bad. So when I was trying to, I was trying to find out ways to counteract that. So I read about different methodologies and I read one study that was saying, um, a lot of, uh, some people found like, uh, it really helpful to split your projects by day of the week, right? So in, in our, in my case, I tried to do a client for every day of the week and, uh, that didn't work at all because it just didn't work with the way we worked. Um, and I was still ended up going to multitasking. So then I experimented the next week. So I said, okay, well, what if I do a type of job? So I'll try and do my very analytical heavy work at the beginning of the week and more creative loose work at the end of the week. And that quite, kind of didn't quite pan out um, <laughs> either for, for, for various reasons. But then what I found was um, another study that was talking about how there's I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Pets, uh, because this is all kind of I, I I'm lucky again because I read a lot of this for work, so I get some tangential ideas. So I read this study that was about the the circadian rhythms of people's bodies. So the the body the way our body flows throughout rhythms throughout the day, and that's and and that inspired me to say, okay, why don't I try and plan my day around you know what I feel my rhythm is, and I've started doing that for a couple of weeks and it works quite well. So I found that personally, I I, I do like a um my my better kind of creative and uh, um but concentrated creative if that makes sense so i'm trying to have creative ideas with structure i do that in the morning and then by the end of the afternoon when i'm quite tired i try and um, do um things like email and things that that they i don't need to be super engaged with all the time um but then but not just with work balancing kind of work with you know an, an increased need for physical exercise, for example, because we don't move around as much. Um, that was the other thing I had to balance into that schedule, for example. So I was like, when's the best time for me to do that? Um, that won't get in the way of work or that, or, or vice versa. And I think this is another thing that kind of touches on, 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 on making it easy when you want to form habits and all these things, I think they all tend to kind of loop around and connect back to each other, um, is, is the, the idea of cheating. Um, <laughs> So I, I I think it's a good idea when you're forming to ch habits uh, to cheat 
Um, and I mean that in the sense of cheat by making it easy for yourself again. So for the exercise thing, I, I, I cheated entirely. I offloaded that responsibility. And because my wife wants to do more exercise and she started doing an exercise routine, I just said, okay, very simply, I will just follow that. <laughs> and that made it so easy that I actually stuck to a routine that I haven't been, that normally <laughs> I would never stick to. Um, so you made, yourself account- you made yourself accountable. Yeah, exactly. And, and or rather, I, I made myself accountable to sticking to the habit, but I removed all the difficulties. Um, and it's kind of what we we're talking about. Fog was so for me, like there was difficulty or anxiety or whatever you want to call it. Um, it was challenging for me to choose a workout, figure out what was the right thing to do, to decide when I wanted to do it. And all these things m- m- for other people might seem seemingly quite simple, you know, so and it's a very personal thing on that in, in that sense. But there was all these barriers to my behavior. And I said, okay, listen, I can get rid of them because I just don't make that choice. And now when she says I'm working out, I say, okay. And I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so going back to BJ Fogg, that's your prompt is that she, not only is she doing it, but she's reminding you. I mean, the other thing is um, the motivation factor because uh, the same as you, you know, I try, I try and do my workouts, but I try and do them in the morning. And a simple reframe to improve my motivation was, well, I'd normally spend an hour commuting into work. Now I've got an hour that I could use to do the exercise. So it's reframed that time that would have been commute into exercise time. Yeah, that's that's, that's a good way of framing. And actually, I think you touched on something which I, I, I didn't quite mention, but that was the other thing that's going on right now, right? Is we have, like our routines have been disrupted. So you, the if we're talking about prompts, I think now is a really great time for people to, to explore new habits or, or, or whatever, because you can say you can very easily formulate prompts like like the one you just said. The time I used commuting in the morning, I have to fill. And now you have a kind of a natural prompt that you can fill with something. And and you have a way and you also have a way that you're designing your mornings, right? Because I imagine whatever you did before, you're not doing now because you're at home. So maybe you have a slower breakfast or whatever. So within within that morning period that you 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 can design how you fill that with prompts to nudge you towards what you want to do. Yeah. Exactly. Um yeah. And and I guess and the last thing I kind of wanted to chat chat about was just um what when I when we were going through this, um we were chatting earlier in the week about what's kind of how, what does the shape of going back look like or recovery look like? And I think, I mean, that's a hot topic for everybody. Um, and again, it's just, I, I think my, my privilege that I'm able to read so much just because of work that kind of it makes sense to me in my, in my say personal life. And, but um, when I was initially thinking and I was debating this with other, other colleagues of how much will we really be kind of, how will we be allowed to keep the working from home um as the uh, as the as the norm that would go back will we will people really want to um because i know a lot of people have mixed feelings on that and uh, this is just a lighter point but it's i think for me to it reinforces that point it's just there's small insights from behavioral economics that can just help you nudge nudge you to to shift the direction you're going so a couple of weeks ago i said i i said I'd like to take advantage of this and, and transition to almost full-time work from home. And and I was quite radical initially on that point. I was like, I really, the more this goes on, I really don't see any point in going to the office. And that was a couple of weeks ago. And then I think everyone, we also probably started seeing um, a lot of uh, 
articles mentioning things like Zoom fatigue, which is now a phrase and, and stuff like that. And, um, and so I started getting a bit hesitant. But then I read a really great study that they were talking about. They were looking at the brain behavior of people look, uh, talking to other people on video chat. Um, and what's interesting is they found like at a brain level, the, the, the activity, your, I won't go into overcomplicated this, but the activity your brain does to form kind of trust and, and connections with people when you're talking to them physically in the same room, that whole mechanism is basically short-circuited uh, short by a video conference. It's kind of the same effect of talking to someone who's wearing mirrored sunglasses where you can't see their eyes. Um, but it, it, create, it completely kills any ability you have or not kills, but it, lim it severely limits the ability you have to, to make a, a real emotional or trusting connection with others. And so the second I read that, I started completely reevaluating what the shape of going back looks like and being a, a lot less radical because it makes you realize, okay, right, there was something that I didn't immediately notice, but there's clearly an important thing in that physical meeting people that we need to kind of incorporate. And it's only kind of behavioral research like that kind of study that nudged me in that direction because I was like, okay, I better, I better consider this now because if I'm not going, if if I'm going to be relying on the personal connections with my colleagues that I made physically months months ago now, um, it's going to be very difficult to, to sustain that you know for much much longer. So I think that's an interesting one way to steer things going back is to again see like okay, if there's a physical process our brain needs to make us feel good with people and collaborate better. Um, so, you know, we definitely want to facilitate that when, when we think about what, what the future will look like. And I think it's that kind of thinking that really is what we do a, a lot and behave. So it's, it's taking those, those small um, blips of insight, say, and using that to start steering the shape, uh, steering our understanding of what things might, might, might look like rather than to just, um, completely barrel on by by dismissing something as oh that's that's too small an insight you know it's better to use these smaller ones to refine the direction and understand kind of what things will matter when fantastic uh, david I, I know we've gone over time and i appreciate that because i know how busy you are but that's been absolutely fascinating especially to hear how wide read you are um and where those insights and thoughts come from it's been amazing is there any just before we go is there anything that you'd like to leave as a final thought in terms with based on everything you've said to our listeners yeah okay uh, i think as a as a as a Final thought, what I would say to people is I would just encourage them to make experiments with your life, try and figure out what works better for you and plan and, and experiment and, and do those based on some, almost any insight, just see how it works for you. And underlying all that is don't get put off by things being um, not perfect the first go. Um, and also don't think that it has to be hard for it to be a good thing. If you follow that, you should be quite fine throughout the lockdown and period <laughs> thereafter. Brilliant. David, thank you again. Um, thanks for your time on the podcast and I uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Total Media, the behavioral planning agency, an innovative approach to behavioral insights to deliver more effective marketing results and business growth.